podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. I'm super excited to have on the podcast tonight, Amira Sanders. Amira, hey, thanks for doing this. Hello. Thank you for having me. For sure. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Oh, all right. Who I am? I'm Amira Sanders. Uh, I am an artist, I guess, is like the um, broad umbrella umbrella term that I could use, but I do so many things. I pretty much just do what I want. <laughs> um, I do comedy, modeling, writing, um, animation, art. Uh, sometimes I just go fuck off and go to farms. And like for a while, I was a shepherd because I felt like it. So uh, what I do is I pretty much do whatever I want. Who I am is I'm a mirror. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I would love to fuck off and go to a farm for a while. That sounds really awesome. Yeah, I just got tired of having a job in capitalism. And I was like, I need to get out of here. And so for like three months last year, I went woofing. And I just stayed on organic farms and just on farms in the middle of nowhere. It's beautiful, peaceful. Love it. That sounds amazing. One of my last guests is an author and she also, um, she bought a a farmhouse that was built in like the 1850s and is restoring the land. It's like 30 acres or something to the original prairie wildlife that is there. Like that would be amazing. Also, I I don't know. I feel like I like too many horror movies to go live in the middle of nowhere though. Oh, um, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe it's because like I like what's the word I'm looking for? I'm kind of oblivious to danger, I think. Um, and I think because of that, danger doesn't really find me because like a lot of people were like, oh, aren't you afraid of traveling alone? Like as a woman, like across the United States, like to these like random people's houses that you don't know. And I was just like, Nah, I'm a pretty good judge of vibes, so mm-hmm. I just go off vibes, and if the vibe is wrong, I'll leave, but um, yeah, I just, I wasn't, maybe that's dumb of me, but I'm still alive, so I'm doing something right. Yeah, you're doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> cool, well, I was curious, uh, you know, what is your relationship like to horror movies? How do you feel about the genre overall? I love horror movies. Uh, I get frustrated because a lot of my friends are too afraid to indulge in horror movies. And so I just have like one really good friend who we always get together and we watch horror movies. Um, They have a different taste than I do. Um, So we get into like fun debates about like what is horror, what is scary, um, why something scares us more, something scares us more than the other thing. Um, I think horror is, I like the way horror is moving, the direction horror is moving now, because there's, in my opinion, comparing horror films like pre-2010 or whatever, um, horror films now are more like films that happen to be horrific. (laughs) Like there's a greater attention to cinematography and and in the use of silence, you know, instead of using jump scares, it's more like there's indulgence in the slow build of dread and fear. And um, like, of course, CGI has gotten so much better. Although I wouldn't say like I, I don't I don't feel like horror films these days use many like CGI characters very much, but I could be wrong. But anyways, um, 
and like the concepts are becoming like so much more what's what I'm looking for like it's not just oh scary monster it's like let's break down what this monster means and why is it chasing after these people and like all that stuff um but yeah I just I just love horror I like getting scared I like um I don't know I don't know what I don't know what what draws me exactly to it I guess in a weird way it's comforting because like I mentioned before we started recording my siblings and I we would always like bond over um watching a scary movie and then all having like a little sleepover in my room uh afterwards because oh yeah that's what it is like <laughs> horror is funny to me um, because my siblings and I, when we're watching these horror films, we would do our best to make fun of what we we're watching so that we were less afraid of what was happening. And so we just be cracking jokes left and right. And it's like, just so funny. So maybe that's why like, I'm more comfortable watching horror movies because I more so view it from like a ridiculous lens and like, oh no, this is actually happening to me. I don't really make fun of horror films anymore. Um, I kind of take them a little more seriously, but I think that's why I'm not afraid of them and I view them as comforting because I use them to bond with my siblings growing up. That's so cool. I love that. Actually, that's kind of where the um, inspiration for a lot of the jokes I write come from is the idea that if something frustrates me, that's what I write about. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I feel like power over the conflict. So I could totally relate to that. And well, being a big sister protector, that's that's important too. Yeah. You know, speaking of, um, you know, you were the big sister protector. What is the first horror movie you remember seeing? I feel like it was Jeepers Creepers and it was by accident because I think I vaguely remember being at like a hair salon or something or like a barber shop. And um, it was just like on the TV up in the little corner. Um, and I remember, I remember sitting down and watching it and like, not really understanding what's happening, but remember hearing the phrase Jeepers Creepers. And I was like, I've heard of that before. Like, what's this all about? So that one, but it's not because I didn't like put it in and sit down and watch it. It just happened to be on, but that's like the first one I remember ever like seeing the first one that I probably like put on on purpose and sat down and watched it was probably like goosebumps you know how cartoon network would do like um uh, a goosebumps marathon in october um all the time and i grew up muslim so i never got to participate in halloween festivities so the best way for me to participate at home was to watch scary stuff like uh, goosebumps and i like read the books and stuff and that's how i like I couldn't go trick-or-treating and couldn't give out candy, but I still loved like the whole vibe of Halloween. So that was my way of celebrating. So whenever Cartoon Network had the little scare fests on or whatever, that's what I would watch. Nice. And were your parents, were they kind of like, did they not really approve of you watching scary stuff or were they? they No, they they were fine. Um, I kind of was... You know how people are like, oh, yeah, the TV raised me almost. It's kind of like that. It's just like I would just sit in front of the TV for hours and they leave me alone until it was time to go to bed or like eat or whatever. 
So, and I mean, like, I, I always got good grades in school. And like, I was just a kid that they didn't worry about because mm-hmm. I was just, you know, oldest, older sibling, older big sister. I was like, I, I just, I guess, handled my shit. Um, but yeah, when it came to TV, like, I was just always in front of it. So they, I don't think they really monitored what I watched necessarily. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of had a similar upbringing, you know, being left alone in front of the TV. And I remember you're, you might be a bit young for this, but Twin Peaks, when that came out, it was like on ABC. And so we would just like sit and watch that, like, oh, this is TV. It's obviously for me because it's TV. And then we would just like watch it and be like, what the hell did we just watch? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My, yeah. My mom would sometimes watch horror movies with us only because we insisted on watching them. But like, she never, she she never likes horror movies, actually. She, um, she said she saw The Exorcist. (coughs) Sorry, that was a little dry. She saw The Exorcist um, when it first came out. And like after that, she just could never watch horror movies again. So like she always be like, you know, not really watching. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My mom always says that she didn't like horror. And then I look at her DVR and it's all like wives with knives and uh, American Horror Story. I'm like, mm-hmm. really, mom? What are you hiding? Mm-hmm. Maybe she doesn't view that as horror. Maybe she's like, this is real life. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right, for us to talk about tonight, Amira chose 2013's The Conjuring, which is about a family that moves into a home and soon finds out that it is haunted and it tears their family apart until they enlist the help of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, This movie is from the James Wan universe, and I realized when you chose this, I had never seen it. So I was kind of shocked and glad you picked it because it was a great movie. Uh, Why did you pick it? It's just like my go-to, like that movie. I remember the first time watching it and I, that's when I like really noticed how quiet the movie is. And I love that because like it's a classic haunted house. Like it's a very been done formula, but to me that movie elevates it uh with its use of silence honestly because it's like and and darkness and shadow because it really plays with your imagination and like nothing is really scarier than what you can imagine or what you're anticipating to like hear i love that movie because it's just so visually interesting and like the timing i don't know it's like like i said i keep mentioning vibes i just like the vibe of the movie yeah, I just, I, my favorite kind of horror movie is like supernatural, like ghosts, demons type stuff. Um, it's just like thrilling to me because I love the, the, the research montage in, in horror films where they're like, okay, what are we dealing with here? And they do all their Google searches and go to the library and look at microfish or whatever they call it. And like, um, and uh, it's just, I like that gathering information to like arm yourself against the unknown because it's scary to me to have all this information 
and be as prepared as you can possibly be. And still, it's not enough to defeat whatever it is that you're fighting. And at the end of the day, it's not about what you know about this, this entity. It's about how strongly your spiritual ties are to your loved ones and yourself that is like what saves you in the end. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a beautiful moment of uh, the remembering the beach day, you know, I think. Yeah, that was so great. I, I really agree with what you're saying about like the sophistication of the subtlety of the film, because there's so many moments where the children are freaking out or the dog is freaking out. And like you as the viewer, you you don't see it. Right. So you're just like trying to pick up on what's happening. And I absolutely think that is always more scary than anything CGI can produce or anything like that. Yeah, that like that scene where one of the daughters wakes up in the middle of the night and like the thing like had like yanked her foot on the bed and like she wakes up and she thinks it's her sister and her sister's still asleep. And then she looks in the corner and like the door just slowly opens like a little bit. It like that scene was so good and like kudos to that actress i I don't know her name but like she really fucking sold that um that scene because there we couldn't see what was in the corner at all Mm -hmm. there was no glowing eyes there were no there's no there was no smoke there was no nothing it was just shadow and so yeah it really just allows you to kind of almost literally fill in the blank with like what the fuck is she looking at which makes it even scarier when she relays what it's saying to her that it wants her family dead and it's just like oh shit like I don't know I to me uh, that was beautiful just wow like probably the best moment of the film for me oh so good and I Um, you know, not to dwell too much on my own, uh, (laughs) but I live alone. And I really related to this film as well, because like, I think one of the themes that jumped out to me is like the idea of like, sometimes navigating the world as a woman, like you second guess yourself sometimes. um, And, you know, like, I'll be in my home and hear something and be like, do I do I call my neighbor or am then am I like, Oh, crazy Kristen, you know, like, I don't know what to do in those moments. And I think like the kids had the same feeling of like, what do we do? Do we just sit here and cry or do we get our mom or what, what what's going on? Yeah. And like, I think it's interesting that um, in horror movies, right. You, the, the man, the husband is usually like, gaslighting the shit out of their wives or children like oh this isn't really happening you're being weak but the dad in this like he's a trucker so he's like you know gone for like a like a good chunk of the movie like when all the real scary stuff happens and he gets there and like his whole house is in like disarray all his daughters are scared and he's like immediately like okay we need to figure out what the fuck is going on here and he like takes them seriously and I love that mm. like their little the, the family dynamic that they built was like in the beginning of the film really helps to like for you to care about their family and like about what they're going through because like 
the dad's not an asshole I guess and like the parents seem to like each other yeah and like it's, it's almost like how rare that is <laughs> right and it's almost like have you seen cheaper by the dozen with mm-hmm. um what's his name is it Robin Williams or no Steve Martin I think but it's kind of like like cheaper by the dozen is just like about this couple that has like 12 kids and like there is no similar opening scene to cheer by the dozen that there is the conjuring of like all the kids running around the house and just like the cameras just kind of walking through the house just letting us see like the kids running out, out uh, off screen in screen and like just 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 living you know what i'm saying and like <laughs> the vibes are really chill they're really fun uh, and so that's why, like, we started out at such a good point. So when things, like, go south, like, they go real south. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I just, I, I love the family in that movie so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was refreshing to see a family that liked each other. <laughs> I will admit, like, when they first moved in and they discover the boarded off wall, uh, that leads down into the basement as just like no no yeah right <laughs> that was like a classic don't do it leave it alone but also as a new homeowner it kind of like surprised me that they were like oh the furnace is down here like you didn't think to look at the furnace before you bought a house like what are you doing yeah little little plot holy but I, I'll, I'll forgive it I yeah. um uh, uh, yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what themes stuck out to you? Oh, yeah, definitely just uh, the family aspect. And I'm a huge fan of the villain is not necessarily attacking your physical being, but your soul. And it's about the strength of the soul, the strength of the bond that you have. And I think that's kind of what I search for in my own life. Um is just I'm searching for those bonds with people like those like bonds that'll like draw me back from the brink of some horrific I don't know I don't even know what it is but something awful like have have you seen Stranger Things do you watch Stranger Things I don't I know I should I know everybody loves it yeah it's, it's great and so spoiler alert, if you're watching the newest season <laughs> or whatever, skip or whatever. Um, but there's a scene that like you, there's a song called uh, Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush that got is really popular again um, mm-hmm. because of it. That and I want to watch it. I was like, well, they have good music, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the scene, I, I think that the, mo- the, the song became so popular because the scene is so powerful because the villain of the season is attacking one of the, the ensemble cast members and it's a mental attack, you know? It's like, um, she's kind of like, it's warping her reality. Like it's not really happening, but she thinks it is. And so from their research, you know, they find out that, oh, music has a way of drawing people back to reality. So, they rush and they find her favorite song, which is running up that hill, and they put it over her ears. And this like portal opens up in her mind and it shows her friends like saying, Come on, like it's this way, come this way. And like, and she's like desperately running from this like demon. And it's like, and that and that song is playing, and like I get goosebumps because it's like 
that's what I love about horror is that it tests those bonds. Like, it's one thing to be tested physically, but like spiritually, to be that bond to be tested, it's like you know that if you make it out of there, and it's because of that bond with those people. Those are your people for life. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so definitely. I, yeah. So definitely, it's like the themes of like familial bonds, like chosen and and blood and blood family, just just bonds in general. You know, one of the themes that really jumped out at me in this movie is how, like. I don't want to say poverty exactly, but like financial situations for sure can keep you trapped in situations you don't necessarily want to be in. I feel like this family with four kids, like. I, I think know, it's five. Is it five? Yeah. I think it's five. It's a lot of kids. <laughs> More kids for than sure. I ever dream of having. Um, but, you know, like you can't just pick up and move and like how could you possibly find another space to accommodate that family size? And also like, I think, you know, just in the society and the housing market we live in, you know, it's like, if you can afford a home of that size for that many kids, like something's probably wrong with it, you know? Yeah. That I do like that they were kept in the house for very realistic reasons. Like sometimes I feel like where movies kind of do a cop out because they're like, Oh, they're not going to move out because the dad wants to fight this thing or doesn't believe them. But like, he very much does believe his family. Um, he makes a very good point. Who is going to take in and a family of seven, like even your best friends are probably have their own kids, you know, and their own like single family home. It's not that they don't want to help you. They literally just don't have the resources to help. And so, like, it's also, like, from that point of view, yeah, you're right. It's, like, a great metaphor for, like, how uh, poverty or or just, like, not having enough wells can keep you in such insidious circumstances. Yeah. And when you gave your intro and kind of said who you are and what you do, it made me feel like you're the exact opposite of this movie. Like <laughs> you're be trapped like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I always wonder what I would do if like I came across a haunting and honestly, yeah, leave. <laughs> me too, leave. right? Like that scene where the mom hears the piano in the basement and then is like, well, better go down and look at it. Yeah. No, no. I mean, to her credit, she thought somebody was in her house with her kids. And like, I guess like the mama bear instinct, like I can give her that. That scene also is so good when she gets trapped down there. Like the the hands, like, bro, like I said, use of shadow and like something so simple and a callback to like, uh the the clapping game i love that clapping game as like a vehicle for the story oh it's so so, creepy it's so (laughs) creepy but like it's like it's creepy but it's not it's more so like it's just building up that dread i think like that's like the way that the movie builds up that dread because like i said it uses silence so well because like that most of the scenes where they're playing the clapping game you're supposed to be listening for sounds for that that clapping sound and so there's no music and you're just listening 
for sounds and you hear sounds that you think you're supposed to of course like she does and she tur- it turns out she's not playing a game with her daughter at all like she's playing a game with whatever's in the house and like to me that's like oh shit this thing is also like smart or like whatever's in this house is like tricky you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. not just malevolent but like smart about it yeah so the spirit in the house um oh i just had her name it's, it's Sheba? like yes beth shiva based off a real person i have to say like felt a little kinship to this character just a woman who wanted to live alone with her land and not have kids i was like oh that's relatable uh I mean, yeah, some of, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of women, but I feel like they'll draw the line at like, you know, declaring our love for Satan. (laughs) I was kind of watching it and wondering like, was that woman actually a Satanist or was she just like going against the grain and like. Uh, Maybe if she didn't kill her baby, (laughs) you know, if she didn't. (laughs) You know, if it wasn't like blatant child murder, then yeah. Um, But I I think she was like, I mean, I will say in a weird way, my least favorite part about the movie is the spirit's backstory. Because it is just kind of like, which declares her love for Satan, curses land. Like, I don't know. It just kind of seems (laughs) a little... uh, what's the word like one dimensional a little bit you know well, I it think it would be more nuanced to it and maybe yeah. some sort of redemption for her but maybe, maybe not even redemption much. but I kind of like what you were thinking of like what if more so it was like her baby passed under mysterious circumstances like maybe she had postpartum depression or something and like neglected it or something like that and like her grief cursed the land or something like that because like that's almost like worse because it's like uh postpartum is real uh and like it happens like in real life people like get super depressed after having a child and sometimes the child suffers the consequences um and i i mean it would be and it would be okay if they still kept the whole oh she's a satanist witch aspect if it were more like the townspeople were like calling her a witch because they didn't know about postpartum depression back oh, then yeah. or something. Okay. So we should remake The Conjuring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three-dimensional female villains, please. Yes. And like the 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 movie, like it analyzes like you know the the love that a mother has for her family a lot and it's isn't it weird how horror films always want to test the love that the mother has for the children oh yeah yeah it's so rarely the father even in horror they get a pass yeah and it's like what is it maybe because i don't know i'm just spitballing here kind of generalizing but i feel like a lot of men make horror films so maybe like what's scary to them is children and like being so bonded to a child that like <laughs> you're willing to sacrifice your own well-being I don't know <laughs> that's my I mean don't cancel me <laughs> but yeah, yeah I don't think you're wrong because like the film also made me think like wow you don't have a maternal instinct in your whole body <laughs> it's like yeah I'd be out I don't know <laughs> 
You know, the other thing that kind of struck me as a little bit odd is the Warren's room of um, possessed objects. Yeah. And like, they just have their kid who like can get in that room. And, you know, it, it all felt very casual. And um, maybe, I don't know if it should be like have more security or they just shouldn't have it in their home with their baby. But it, <laughs> it felt kind I of mean- wild. I kind of feel like it's kind of like how, um, you know, you get teenagers to not, you know, hide things from you or like, or like do drugs or whatever, like without telling you or whatever, um, by making it like normal or like whatever, like, like not being like, oh, this is so bad. If you're like, because when you like hype it up like that, then, you know, kids are more likely to be like, oh, I want to see what this is all about. That's true. So, start being Satanist then. <laughs> Or whatever, you know, like, and the kid knows, okay, I don't go in there. And like, it'd be, I feel like it'd be different if they have more than one kid, but they just have one to keep track of. So like, that makes it pretty easy. Yeah, like, I was more so not necessarily afraid of the kid going in, but like the demons coming out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you can, you can wrangle a child, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't go in here, lock the door, whatever, you know, like there are ways of child-proofing a door, you know? But you can't demon-proof a house. <laughs> they love houses, <laughs> they, they, you know? So that, to me, I was like, I would rather have, like, a storage unit or something, you know, away from my home with all the shit in it. Not, like, in my home where I sleep, absolutely not. Yeah, I could not sleep there, I don't think. And then like metaphorically, I was like thinking about it as like personal baggage and like just thinking about my own relationships. Like, oh, how long do I wait until I show my boyfriend my room full of demons? Uh, Maybe we'll be like, hey, we can combine collections. (laughs) (laughs) So what were your favorite parts of The Conjuring? Okay, we already kind of did a little bit of a but like uh yeah the scene in the room where one of the daughters sees whatever in the corner and she's freaking out mm-hmm. um but also like I think I saw this like in the previews and that's what made me want to watch it um there's a scene where the the mom is um taking down laundry on the clothesline and the wind is blowing and a sheet blows off the line and it catches on to a human form for like a second and yeah and then it like flies up to the upper story window then you see a figure of a woman standing in the window to me that was like so cool because Mm -hmm. it's almost like you know ghost bedsheet ghost up to like a thousand you know what I'm saying like not just like someone with like holes cut out or whatever it's like that that was so good and like a really good use of cgi like so good mm-hmm. but yeah i i briefly mentioned it um the scene so it's like i can't these two scenes can't be like separated i think because like when the mom is playing that clapping game with her youngest daughter she's going around the house and clapping and she hears clapping and she thinks it's her daughter and she doesn't see but we see a pair of like dead looking hands come out of the wardrobe and like that and the way it clapped too it was like so creepy just like ugh. and Mm -hmm. then 
you know, she gets closer to it. And we're like, oh no. And like, it's just such a good buildup and like um, a really good way of giving us information and not giving the the characters inside uh, the information, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when she goes down in the basement, when she hears the doom, 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 that like that out of tune piano in the basement, um, like already, mad creepy because you're going into a dark basement where you hear a piano like piano is like one of the creepiest instruments ever made (laughs) like she goes down there and like obviously shit starts happening and the the demon like closes her in the basement and she has like oh i love when horror films use like limited light sources so she has like matches she's trying Mm -hmm. to keep striking these matches to like get some light and see what's happening and then just the hands again come out of the shadows and then they're just amazing because it's like it's not like we see a big like we see like a scary demon it's just those hands again and they're still right behind her right behind her like that's what I like about it because it's like once again that scene is pretty silent I think or like pretty quiet and so just the dread and the shadows and like using light and shadow because like humans are afraid of the dark like instinctually we do not like the dark and so we have that primal fear of like you know her striking the matches and the burning out and things like that and then we have the the primal fear of the unknown of the darkness of what comes out of the darkness and then of course those hands it's just a great callback it's just a great like through line to and it shows how the demon is like really playing with her it's playing with her and that's what's scary you know it's not like it's like i'm all powerful Bathsheba bow to me like no she's like no i'm going to chip away at your sanity and i'm going to have fun doing it and it's like scarier i think when it's playing with you because it doesn't want you to die immediately it wants to relish in your torture almost like a cat with a mouse. Like that's just so much worse, you know? It absolutely does. And like when they were tor- they were bringing Lorraine in and they were trying to figure out, you know, where Rory was hiding and where the littlest girl had gone. And Lorraine ends up like falling through the, f- the crawl space and the flooring. Like, I felt like that was a moment of like this demon, like turning their home and the safety you feel in your home and how you should feel turning that on its head of like, you don't even know your own home and look at all these weird passages and like, we own your home essentially. Yeah. And like, and then you, they pretty much just like find like, I, I like that the history of the house plays a huge role in it in terms of like other residents that have died there because of this entity and like, yeah, when the youngest girl is like, I'll show you where Rory hides. Um, it's just like, you and you, so you know, like, oh, people have tried to evade this thing and lost, you know, mm-hmm. like trying to hide in the crevices of your safe space, of your home, of what's supposed to be your, you know, domain and like, nowhere is safe not even the holes in the walls not even the crawl spaces you know 
I do not fuck with a crawl space. In <laughs> like, no, thank you. Dumb waiters are awful. <laughs> oh, have you lived in a house with dumb waiters? No, and I don't want to. <laughs> Me neither. That's terrifying. Hate that. <laughs> the other, there was one part I really liked, and it was uh, when the Warrens got called to go visit another house that they thought might have been haunted, and they were like, um, well, you just have a leak in your roof that is causing the pipes to echo. But I just love that these homeowners, their first thought was, we got to call ghost hunters. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people want to have ghosts. They I want something. Yeah. I don't shit. Um, but I do kind of like that the movie showed us that, like, like, uh, and L- most of Ed Lorraine's jobs is to find the practical explanations for things before immediately jumping to there's a presence in this house or whatever because like I think um Lorraine she's a medium so I feel like there's probably many times where she senses like spirits in a house right but they're not like bad they're not evil or whatever and the problem is like leaky pipes so she just keeps her mouth shut (laughs) while Ed's like hey yeah get a plumber in here you know <laughs> yeah well I guess uh Lorraine the Lorraine Warren was brought in as a consultant on the film and if you watch like the scene where they're doing the college talk she's actually sitting in the first row oh I didn't know that that's super cool yeah because it's kind of neat that they're like real people one of the things that kind of pisses me off about what because I feel like James Wan ruined the conjuring like years after he made it because you know the nun i haven't seen it but i it was on my list okay so the nun is like a prequel to the conjuring and part of the thing that was so scary and like that made lorraine's like reactions to things so jarring was because you know like in that scene you're talking about when they're having that college talk Lorraine sees something in the French farmer where the cross is appearing like in his skin. She sees something that terrifies her to the point of like not wanting to like ghost hunt anymore. And uh, and <laughs> the nun shows us what she sees oh. and it's so fucking underwhelming and like it's one of those hit or miss things because James Wong can either make a really good movie or a really bad one and the nun was a really bad one and I feel like I got mad because I feel like he somehow found a way to nerf one of the best films he's ever made you know oh Oh, that's disappointing to hear I I want to like James Wan movies but I feel like he's doing too much you know like just take out a few elements or or something you know yeah, it's like, yeah, just like I said, it's either hit or miss because, like, I love Annabelle creation, but I also heard that the first Annabelle fucking sucks. So do you have any final thoughts on The Conjuring? So me personally, I think I personally detest um, slasher films and, like, gore films mm-hmm. because I don't think that's horror because, of course, 
I'm going to be afraid and uh, upset and disturbed by seeing someone get stabbed multiple times. Like, I have empathy. I'm like, oh, ow, <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. To me, it's super cheap. Uh, yeah. Jump scares, also super cheap, because it's just like, well, yeah, duh, you're going to scare me that way. But, like, I just feel like you didn't earn it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why I like supernatural films because of like the the metaphysical like it it deals in like another dimension almost it deals in like the the soul and stuff like that that the untangible stuff that you can't just run away from or or hit them with a bat or whatever shoot them with a gun you know like you, it's not about your physical strength. It's about your mental strength and your spiritual strength. And that movie, like some people might call it corny, you know, that, you know, when she, when the mom is possessed and she remembers that day at the beach that was kind of mentioned like a little bit in the film, but not really. Um, like, oh, of course, like, oh, she's just remembering her kids and, you know, stuff like that. But when you think about it, if you're being possessed by an otherworldly entity that is driving you to murder your own children and one day at the beach, like stops it, like it, it can't even conquer a day at the beach. Like it is hopeful, I think. Cause like when you deal with your own personal demons with your, with depression or addiction or whatever, it's like, what draws people out of addictions what draws them out of depression and 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 these these demons that they have you know yeah sure medication and therapy and stuff but like community bonds like the people in your life who are like hey life isn't all bad life isn't all demons and darkness you know and here are like the moments worth living for and continuing for at the end of the day so like when you're in your deepest darkest moment like at least for me I I really rely on the bonds that I have with people like I've called friends at like 2 a.m like hey I don't want to be here anymore you know and like just the bond of them being like, I'm just going to come over and I'm just going to be with you, you know? And like, it just, it just gives you that strength to keep going. So that's why I like that film so much. And I like that, why I like movies that like at the most crucial moment, it's the bond of friendship or family that saves the hero or the, the protagonist in the end, because that's just real. I feel like, Americans especially are so individualistic and we're so like I'm gonna shoot it with my gun like that kind of stuff to where um we get in these moments in our head and they consume us because we are taught that we have to fight them alone and so this movie I think shows how important community is to fighting demons you know these these mental demons emotional demons addictions and things like that when 
when you're in the, the darkest of nights and and you're you're struggling to hold on like you know draw on those bonds like draw like why what okay like I didn't choose to be alive but like it hasn't all been bad like what should I look at that that to give me some perspective you know to like show this demon inside me like hey I don't need to drink all of this I don't need to take these um pills I don't need to 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 hurt myself because so-and-so loves me because so-and-so we're gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna go see a movie with so-and-so next week and I want to do that like it kind of sounds corny but I'm not saying that you know therapy or medication or anything is not important I'm not saying that at all I think that community has to be one of those things that's a part of fighting your demons of becoming a better person of like like learning your shadow self and and coming to terms with it and loving it the way that other people love you you know so yeah I guess that's my final thoughts yeah that's a beautiful summation I love it because like so often fear makes us want to isolate, right? And think that the problem is unique to us and only we have it. It's a personal problem when in fact, like any way to really truly solve something comes from opening up and discussing that, like, this is a shared experience and like, maybe we all feel this way. Um, So yeah, I really, I love your take on that. I think that's really important. Thank you. What are you working on these days? What am I working on? (laughs) I've been focusing a lot on live performance at the moment. So just like my burlesque routines and my stand-up comedy routines, I'm headlining a couple, a couple of clubs this week. So I'm excited about that. I just wrapped up an animation like music video uh, that sh- should be out soon. I can't say much more about it because, you know, I got to wait for them to release it, but I'm excited about that. And yeah, I, I've been thinking about like how I want to get back into writing because I've written screenplays and, and, and novellas and stuff before. I'm like probably going to go back and um, rewrite some stuff and like actually show people, you know, honestly, what I'm working on right now is what I feel like, <laughs> what I feel like working on. Um, I think it's, I just do what I want and that's what I'm working on. Hell yeah. So. And where, uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, I have, I'm pretty active on Instagram at Amira Sanders, A-M-E-E-R-A-H-S-A-N-D-E-R-S, all lowercase, all together. Uh, if you want to look at my comedy and like things that I'm doing, and then um, I have Aries Sun Burlesque, um, A-R, uh, I already spell Aries, I don't know, Aries Sun Burlesque, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and that's where I post, um, my 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 burlesque uh routines and what I'm gonna be doing like I'm new to burlesque but um it, I really like it it's a great creative vehicle for me so and also my twitter is at Amira Sanders as well so I'm mostly active on Instagram and Twitter fuck TikTok frankly <laughs> um hate that platform but if you I do have one so if you do want to follow my TikTok uh it's dump truck ass shoddy (laughs) okay cool we'll have all those links in the episode (laughs) 
but yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Um, I'll be in Iowa Thursday at Teehee's Comedy um, Bar, and I'll be at Zoo Bar in Lincoln, Nebraska um, on Sunday, and, you know, hopefully more to come. Nice. Fantastic. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. I really appreciate you making the time for it. Thanks for having me. This has been so much fun. Cool. That's been Bloody Mary. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.